What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Middle Cup! Hey, B! I don't know if you feel this way, John, but today, recording this on a Tuesday, maybe I'm late to the party. It, today's the first day I really feel like the NFL season's about to start. Have you felt that way for a while, or is that, or, or are you with me? I, I felt like this weekend, to me, there's still like a separation between us mere, and all we are in this little blue-collar podcast, you know, basically fans now, right? We just... I feel separated. I haven't been to a practice. I haven't seen any preseason games. Uh, but I did see all the highlights of all these scrimmages that went on over the last three or four days. I felt like I got a decent amount of them on my timeline, like full padded games. Now, they were just, you know, the Cowboys versus the Cowboys or the Cardinals versus the Cardinals or the some of the stuff we've seen on, uh, I think the Rams had one this weekend. And I, I, I did, yeah, I think the Giants had one. The Eagles clearly had one. Bodies dropped. Uh, that caught my juices going a little. I, I still, listen, I, I, I still feel a little separated. I'm not going to lie. Okay. That's understandable. I mean, you know, we got Wednesday. Then we'll have Thursday, which is a week away. It's You know the, you know the, the ratings for week three hard knocks was the lowest rated episode in the history of the series? Wow. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's not nothing, right? I mean, that's... I think it's nothing. You think it's a reflective of the NFL? No, no, season? no. I don't think it has anything to do with how many people are going to watch the NFL. I just mean, I think it's it shows right now that if it was just normal, I think it would have been a lot less people than even like last year with Gruden. It it, it still would have been a a lower watched, I'd say, season relative to the Rex Ryan and the even Bill O'Brien. But it, I think, one hundred seventy three thousand people. I saw the number was. You can't tell me that it wouldn't have been like. 450 non-corona normal times with preseason games going on. Just seeing ads when you're watching a preseason game. Hard knocks. You know, just you just see the. Ad. I haven't seen an ad. I don't think the NFL ran them. They said fuck it. Just I don't even care. Yeah, I I don't. Have think you seen a hard knocks ad? John, I didn't know it was starting till the day it started. 
I, but I'm serious. I, I don't think they made any ads this year for it. They Where would they air them anyway? Them. NFL Network? Like, because I'm not watching. Honestly, I don't. I, I don't know. I feel like I've seen ads before. They always do Hard Knocks trailers. Yeah, I definitely felt like I. Well, felt the only reason I knew it was starting is because I saw a trailer. Yeah, on like day of. I, I the only reason I knew it is because Schefter does. Uh, what's his name? Liv Shriver. Is that the guy's name? Leave. Did uh, leave. How do you Lee, say his name? Leave Schreiber, I think. Is leave, not live. I've always called him Live. I don't know. Uh, whatever. The dude that plays Ray Donovan. Yeah. He he must when he's recording the uh, the talkovers. He must send Schefter a picture because Schefter always has the picture of him in the recording studio. The other thing that always helps Hard Knocks is when there's like a holdout and it's like we got to see what AB's feet look like, you know, and then you flip it on. Yeah, I I'd say the Gruden AB thing. To me, the all-timer is probably, and it's, you factor in New York, you factor in Rex Ryan, and you factor in their best player was holding out. Like, that was a pretty unreal combination for drama in a net, in a show, right? NFL, New York City, famous coach, best player holding out. What if it was the Bucks? If it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I think that would have been well-viewed. <laughs> I think that would have been a pretty big. You know, one thing right? that, that we never, yeah, I think so too. One thing we never get is what always happens is the season starts with the Hall of Fame game. We get fired up, we turn on the game, and then we, you know, move on with our day after the first quarter or evening. You don't really, it's like, uh. but this is the first game we get is going to be a real game. I'm not counting Austin P. Uh, neither is anybody else. The yeah. first game we get is a real game. Boom. Thursday night, Chiefs, Texans. Yeah, it's like, bam. Let's John, on, baby. To, if I could quote John Madden. Boom! Boom! Look at that guy right there. So, yeah, it's going to be I'm ready. Good, man. Uh, by wait. the way, we'll talk about DraftKings later. If you are listening to this, Haberman, that's me, screwed up the first DraftKings game. If you got in the game that's Monday, which I, I've gotten DMs from people. I think most people have bailed on that game. We do not want that Monday game to fill up because we don't want it to happen. The game we want to happen I'm already, is I, I withdrew. I withdrew, guy. I did too, and a few other people have withdrawn. You're like, Webb Simpson... The game you want is in our league. It's in the Ham League. In the title, it says the word real. It says Ham the Match 12 real. So that's the one you want to be in. Just FYI, we'll talk about more. Our new game, as of recording this in the afternoon on Tuesday, already has 6-6 people in it. So So it's going to be... It's going to fill up pretty quick. By the way, the thing doesn't start until Friday because they're going to finish on Monday. I I didn't know that until you texted me that. You know the Webb Simpson withdrawal? A little inside golf, but... A lot of people, rumors that he might have had corona because he was a lock to make it. His caddy was already at the event in uh, Chicago, uh-huh. like landed out, and he was like supposed to be on his way the next day. It was a little weird. People thought maybe. Oh, it was like a, a last positive, minute cancellation. Maybe he had a positive test. They're just like, stay away. He was already a lock to make it to this weekend. There's some rumors that it might have been web positive test, stay gotcha. away. Gotcha. Come, you can come back for this. Okay. Because I know this, keep, John. If if you've got a pre, if you cannot have the event without Webb Simpson, like you can't have the championship without Webb. Imagine Web. if <laughs> no, you can't. Webb's like, I want, I want my third place money, not my thirtieth place money. Well, do you see the third place? How much it gets? Four million dollars. Four million dollars. I think seventh place is still a million dollars. Well, John, this is where. Do you, want, do you want me to say this now, or I can wait? Th- th- my idea to have the money on the putts is perfect this week. The difference between second. And third place is a million dollars. The difference between third and fourth place is a million dollars. Well, guy, guy, how about just the DJ Rom situation? That was a Haberman set up perfectly situation. DJ's putt 
gave him a chance at $1.7 million. You know what second place was? One. So it was a $700,000 putt. And then Rom on eight, you know, when they replay the sudden death hole, that make was a $700,000 no, putt. No, it was not. It was a $495 putt. That's true. For John Middlecoff. I didn't realize. I thought I had Hideki Matsui. And then I realized I placed like 17 bets. And I was like, oh, Finau's out of it. Bryson sucks. I'm like, did I bet on John Rom? And when John Rom, once I realized, and I didn't realize a guy till sudden death, I fucking exploded in my hotel room in Las Vegas. Incredible. What an incredible betting twist that was. Because you're texting me. We're going back and forth. It was all rollover bonus money. It was, so you don't quite, it's still cool, but it's not quite the same. I think we got a pretty good betting idea coming up for uh, for the football season. An idea that might have been hatched on Ease.com, promo code HAM. Ease.com, promo code HAM. Or, if you're a re- that's for first-time users, get you 20 bucks off a delivery of over $50. Or if you're a return user, we got something for you too. Promo code HAM and the number 10 guy. They get you a 10% discount. 10% discount. You spend 50 bucks, you save five. You spend 100, you save 10. You just go to ease.com, wherever you live in California, Northern California, Central California, the Valley, Southern California, Slam Diego, wherever you live. They deliver it to your house. You know, Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, we're all doing it. It's all the rave. They're delivering it to your house. You go down, you get your burrito, you get your sandwich, you get your Chinese food. Well, what do you think ease is? You order whatever you want, pre-rolls, vapes, Maybe you order some Chinese food while you're at it. Oh yeah, usually you take it and then you just and then you go to you head to Postmates or DoorDash and you put in an order. What I did last night, my Caminos, ease.com, it's what I like, but if you don't want if you want vapes, if you want pre-rolls, if you just want the flour that they call marijuana, they have that as well. Uh just check out their menu. It's easy e a z e.com. Longtime partners here on the show, we really appreciate them. Uh promo code HAM first time users. If you aren't a first-time user, use your wife's or girlfriend's or brother's or parents. But if you if you want to order immediately, Ham 10, get you 10% off. Ham 10. Thank you very much for all your support. We appreciate you. Absolutely. By the way, Middlecoff, we have an incredible, we think an incredible idea. We kind of unveiled it the other day. This idea is sponsored by mybookie.ag, promo code HAM1. Before we tell you the idea uh, or kind of the evolution of the idea, just remember that at mybookie.ag promo code HAM1, they'll match that deposit dollar for dollar when you make that deposit with the promo code HAM1. Um, now, if you take that bonus, you got to bet it like Middlecoff did this weekend and won a bunch of money on John Rahm, but mybookie.ag promo code HAM1. That's everything we're about to talk about. That's where the action happens. Well, guy, we got this week, we got a lot going on before football even starts, right? We got the tour championship. I yep. just pulled up the odds. You can get... I mean, now they're starting. Dustin has a 10-shot lead. I think DeChambeau's like four under, five under. You can get Bryson to win this thing at 22 to one. Like That's pretty, Rory 25 to one. Daniel Berger, probably the hottest guy in all of golf, 28 to one. It's a little thing they call the Kentucky Derby this weekend. Odds up, mybookie.ag. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, Wednesday night, if you look at the history of the NBA and you went, who do you think in a, in a year when the ratings have been down now for a couple of years, would they rather see in the second round the Lakers versus Oklahoma City, not a huge town, or Houston, the fourth biggest market in America? You and I grew up Kings fans. We know they rig some things. So I'd keep an eye on Houston. Let me see if the the odds are up right now. 
I like the Rockets in Game 7. I know that guy. And they are minus 5.5. So does Vegas. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's you can get them 225 at 225. But I, I, I like them probably to win pretty easily tomorrow. Houston Rockets, Game 7. MyBookie.ag. It's where I do my gambling. It's where Haberman does his uh, soccer gambling. That's soccer, right. Soccer over for the yeah. time being? As far as I'm concerned. So it ended. Yeah. Uh, football's right around the corner. The, the uh, Baseball, whatever you want. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. Okay. So we've had this idea. We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. We're going to talk about it a little bit more right now. We're going to go to MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. There's been an internal debate about do we put – combined, we're going to pick one game for week one of the NFL season – and try to do a survivor pool against ourselves. Just the two yeah. of us pick one game, not each. We can pool our money. So first we were like 200, 250, maybe we go 500 week one. But we got to figure out A, the dollar amount, and two, which game we feel the best about. And that's what this is about right now, trying to figure out which game we feel the best about. Let us know, by we, the way, what game. Yeah, money-wise, started originally around 200. The big John Rom win inspired me. I thought, shit, you know, I, I let's just go $500. So I, I think week one guy, we just put $500 on one game. And our survivor pool, unlike, I know the Vegas survivor pool, once you pick a team, like if you bet on, this team, I don't feel that comfortable betting on them right now, but the Patriots forever. You use them on a given week over the years, right? Against the Jets or the Bills. You can't use them again throughout the season. We're not playing by those rules. We can bet on any game on any given week, but we're only going to bet one. And we're not going to put any more money back into the pot. So at, we got to win week one I know. to fucking we, make it to week two. I'll feel we a lot better about two. not putting money back in if we if we're like week seven we're we're seven and zero, oh, you know? Yeah, or even just you know we just we we got to build up a little war chest, but we have to win week one. We don't win week one, we're fucking out. So we're just gonna pick our game of the week, and it could be any game of the what sixteen games, right? And obviously there are gonna be certain weeks as the season plays out. Definitely once the buys kick in, right, you, your your inventory dies down a little bit. I mean, we've looked at – we've been talking about the NFL for years as a tandem. There are some weeks where it's just like, I don't really like any of these games. Right. It just feels a little off. At, at least week one, while there's a there's never been more unknown. I mean, hell, most teams, you don't even know who the starters are at a lot of positions. At least we have tangible lines. We got an idea. But I think $500 I, – I, are we good with that? $500? Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm so, good with it until we start going through these games, and I hate them all, but sure. Yeah, but if we lose, we're just out, and then the fucking segment ends. But I but I don't want the segment to end. I have a feeling I don't either. So we, we, ha- we have – if we win week one, guy, we're into week three. Think of it like that. Yeah, we win week right, one, right. we're into week three. Right. So we're basically got September covered, but we got to win week one. And I S- – when I typed in mybookie.ag this morning on Tuesday, the last time we talked about it, I think on Friday, maybe we dive into a little Sunday, but the last time I looked at the NFL lines was last week, the number has gone up for the Vegas Raiders. And it was one and a half the last time I looked, maybe in the middle of the week last week. It's two and a half. And as it creeps up, I don't like it as much. Plus two and a half guy, it's minus 125. So five hundred dollars would only win us like four hundred twenty-five dollars. Well, you're on my. I'm I'm looking at the Raiders right now. What I'm seeing on my bookie is minus they the spread. They are minus two and a half at Carolina, and the money line's minus one fifty. Is that what you're seeing? Yes. Okay. So if and that was the game. I liked the Raiders a lot when that was a single. When that was one, not two and a half. I also think it shows 
that people are betting the Raiders, which to get line movement, it doesn't mean Joe Blow Raider fans. Like people are putting money on that because just like me, it just, damn, that's, I think the Panthers are going to suck this year. I, I guess what I'm saying is, John, should we consider since, so for example, our $500 guy wins us 400 So what I'm saying though is since our goal is to keep winning, right? I mean, our goal is to make the money, but our other our goal is to keep winning. Should our can we vote, can we bet games money line? Sure, but the difference is, you want to bet money line four hundred. Five hundred money line pays three thirty three. Right. Yeah. Five hundred against the spread pays four hundred bucks. I'm just. I'm not saying that's what we should do. I'm just wondering: Are we? Can we do that if we deem that necessary? Because we're yes, just trying we to survive, yes. right? Survivor we, we don't, pools. We, just trying to survive. Yeah, survivor. We do not have to take in our. I think in the survivor pool, I don't know if you can do money line. You have to take the spread, which makes it even harder. Right. We can uh, in our game. We can bet the money line. Okay. So anyway, with that said, here's some of the games we're considering. Let us know. You know, that's the game we've been talking about the most. I think that's the game we were thinking about a lot. Um, you know, I we can talk about some of these games. Like, what team do you feel the best is going to lose? Forget about the spread. Like, would you even consider Kansas well, I, I, City money line? I know you would not consider them minus nine and a half against Houston. Yeah, I think the people that I have listened to that like are really good at gambling over the years. They say the best way to do it is just in your head rank teams basically like 1 to 32. So if you just think about the teams you like least in the NFL, for me immediately it's the New York Giants, it's the Carolina Panthers, it Jaguars, would be the, De- the, the Jaguars and the Detroit Lions. So I, I think when we just start looking at those teams, that's why the Carolina Panthers, and I think the Raiders are going to be solid. I like that. Uh, when I looked at... The Bears at the Lions. My problem is, let's say I think the Lions are a bottom five team. Well, there's still a lot of questions on the Bears. Like, where would you rank them? Are the Bears closer to them than they are top 12 team? Probably right now. But you'd go, they still got a good a good defense. Uh, I would imagine Foles is going to start. Like, would you feel better betting money line Bears to beat the Lions or Raiders to beat the Panthers? Uh. Yeah, I mean, my gut is Raiders to beat the Panthers. Now, you would say, okay, because they have one of the best players in the NFL on the other side, Christian McCaffrey. But yeah, they have a lot of nothing else on offense. Because when I when I go, how do the and Raiders lose that game? By the way, they don't have I, a rookie quarterback, right? Say what you want about Teddy. like, Yeah. He's and one even in the Joe NFL Brady, before. who's oh, never coached, this. never been a coordinator in the league, Joe Brady has worked in the NFL for a couple of years with Sean Payton, right? So it's not like... He's been around NFL players. He's been around a high level offense. He might just be good, right? You don't. There's just. By the I, way, the, the games I wrote down. The other game would be Seattle at Atlanta, minus one. And Seattle's minus one. My thing is Atlanta more than Detroit and more than Carolina. Like if you told me, you know what, John, Atlanta wins ten games is good this year. I could see that, right? Could you? you? Uh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. the The other thing I, is like two other things. One to circle back to the money line versus the spread idea, if we want to bankroll week two with our week one win, it's hard to do if you bet money line on like, you know, the Jags to lose. You're not, you're making 130 bucks on a $500 bet if you bet money line, right? On some yes, of these we, games. We, we would only have $700 in the pot. So it wouldn't, now, I mean, you could still, it's 
not bad, but just something to consider, which I'm sure somebody listening to this might be saying to themselves. Um, what was the other? Because you thing could go. Well, you guys want to get bold. You want to take the the Saints are going to have no fans. You want to just take okay. Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay money line against the Saints. Yeah. See, that's the other thing. Now, here's where I where that game is. The games that we like that we're talking about so far. We're talking about Seattle, West Coast team in Atlanta for a 10 o'clock body clock game. We're talking about the Raiders across the country uh, for a 10 o'clock body clock game against Carolina. Like I, That's another factor here I just don't love. Now, it is week one, but we've had no preseason games. Tyrell Williams is on IR for the Raiders. Um, they got maybe, – maybe they'll be starting a couple rookie wideouts by the time we get to week one. So then I go – then I look at, okay – Denver like, at Tampa home? might just be really good this year. Who? Now, the game's in Tampa. Okay. The game's in New Orleans. But let's just say Tampa's really good this year. The Saints are going to be really good this year, too. So you're just pretty risky bet, right? You're just betting against a really good team. And the other game that you kept bringing up, that once I was scrolling and saw the Raiders line, and I was like, ugh, I got to, and I kind of like this game a little bit more. How about the Rams to beat the Cowboys week one at home? Yeah. That's that was the first game that jumped out to me when you and I started looking at this a, a week or two ago. You know the, yeah. I mean they're plus two and a half. The Rams but are plus again, two and that, a half. It's it to me that game is like the poor man's version of Tampa New Orleans. You're still dealing with the Cowboys. More than likely are going to be solid. I think the problem with betting against Dallas is we spent this whole off season talking about how basically saying Dex okay right. That's been one of the themes of the off season is. Yeah, he wants to get paid, but how good is he really? To the point that it's almost like he's Kirk Cousins, which he's not. He's better than that. And it might they might just roll out. Dallas was one of the best offenses in the NFL last year, and they just I got think Mike they McCarthy. I think statistically some people one. tweeted they were passing. So they were actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, guy, they almost had three thousand yard receivers. They were sixth in the league in points last year. They were fifth in the league in rushing last year. They were eleventh on defense in points last year. Okay, uh, then let, let me get, to, get let me get to my last game. Steelers at the Giants. No fans in New York. I don't think the Giants are good. And even if the Steelers, Roethlisberger's rusty or whatever, they have an elite defense. They have good skill guys, and Big Ben is just back, and they're just good. Like the Steelers are just always when they're shitty, like last year, they're eight and eight with Duck, right? So, to me, no fans, not that far of a travel. Is that the game? Just I, so I feel I like, I'm betting on the Pittsburgh Steelers week one against Joe Judge. Yeah, I like that game. I will say this, though, because that's a four-point spread right now. Um, the Giants are getting four. If I could go back to my mybookie.ag promo code HAM1, early experience betting on the EPL, which I knew nothing about. But one thing was happening, to me at least, and if someone else had a different EPL experience, let me know. Nobody, Good teams were not blowing people out. Like, it was really, they were really close games, low-scoring games early on, fixtures, matches early on in the EPL season, based on what I was gambling on. Just really good teams were playing kind of bottom-of-the-barrel teams, and they weren't covering two-and-a-half goals. So, again, I don't know if that applies here, but well, I did, yeah, I just, I, at well, that I, point I, in time, I, I thought to myself, guy... Remember this for the NFL season. Okay, good, good point. It, to me, I would agree with you if that number was anything six or higher. Okay, Four to me is still relatively small for a really good team against a shitty Here's team. Here's what I know. If the Giants... 
I think part of the okay, way we then, look at this go, is let's go to the other. Let's go on, to the, I, let me I'm just with say you. this before I, you say your next game. I think part of the way you got to look at this is like who will I be okay with losing? Right? Like I can like if you bet against New Orleans and they win, you'd be like. Well, of course they won. They're New Orleans at home. If you bet against the Giants with the Steelers, you go, well, shit happens. It's week one. I can sleep at night betting against the Giants week one. You know what I mean? I can sleep at night betting against the Panthers, albeit with the Raiders week one. Okay, what were you going to say? That's where I struggle with my last game, like the Broncos and Titans. Yeah, I know. I'd I'd say both those teams at the start of the season, like if you told me either one's in the playoffs, I believe you. You're thinking you'd pick Denver at home or you'd pick Tennessee. I would probably take Denver at home, but again, I would too. Just because that little smaller line, because all the Hamler videos from Denver Broncos camp and Jerry Judy are great. It, it, it's kind of where I get back to, guy. I hope that Raider line gets to three, and then it's minus one ten, and then I feel pretty good about just the Raiders beating. Like I don't think they're that good. Or to me, if it gets to three, are we just better off going Steelers Giants Monday night? The Steelers kind of got something to prove. Like, hey, motherfuckers, we're the Steelers. Everyone's blowing the Ravens for two years. Remember us? Like, we went 8-8 eight and eight with a guy named Duck. We're, we're, we're going to make the playoffs. Joe Judge, y- you make your coaches run laps. We're going to kick your ass. And you got one good player, and our defense is elite, and we're going to corral that one guy. And Daniel Jones, are you going to be able to beat us? Because Saquon's not. But Daniel Jones, can you? And it's not like I would say the one thing that would give me a little pause, like week one, New York, be a lot of people there. It'd be a big game, Monday Night Football. No fans. So it's just like what Steelers are just going to be whatever. That, you might have convinced me that's at the top of my list. That to me is I've convinced myself. <laughs> I, I would either go Steelers now or the Rams. I just I just think the Cowboys are going to be time. solid. I just, I, to me you would not you'd be kicking your we'd be kicking ourselves if the Cowboys win that game. Yeah. You know? So to me I'm that's still leaning this. Raiders or Steelers and I feel better about the Steelers than I do the Raiders. That's the beauty of this is that one of us has to convince the other one like we have to be on the same page for this bet. So anyway, but but, but this is it's just a difficult betting week, yeah. right? Yep. All right, let us know what game is a lock to you, and then if most of you pick one game, we'll go against you on that one. So you'll help us out. Yeah. So here's the other thing we're going to consider, though. I it sounds like maybe we've kind of given up on picking the Raider game as our week one lock. We'll see. The other thing we have to consider, I mentioned it. Tyrell Williams is out for the year, surgery on a torn labrum. He's on IR, so he's done. Um. You know, I, I don't think he was going to be the guy that everyone thought was necessarily the key to the Raiders' season. He had fewer catches last year than um, than Hunter Renfro. But, I mean, he was an impact player for them. He scored six touchdowns, 6'4". He's a big target. And I think we've talked about Henry Ruggs a lot. One thing, and you made the point to me before the podcast, one guy that a lot of the Raider reporters have been talking and tweeting a lot about is Brian Edwards. He almost kind of gets lost just because they took Henry Ruggs. But they did take – you. You tell me, John, you take a third-round receiver, which is what he is, you're expecting that guy to be an impact player early. Um, I guess if you're him or you're Ruggs, you're like, all right, more touches for us. But just a I mean, they, couple rookies. The guy, they, the guy they drafted right before him, Lynn Bowden Jr., the yeah. dude from Kentucky, yeah. is like a little chess That's piece right. for him. So there's a decent chance on opening weekend, beside Josh Jacobs, who started last year, and, and Darren Waller, who – Listen, he was excellent last year, but he is a one-year wonder as of right now. They are going to depending on three wide receivers to go with Hunter Renfro, right? Because Terrell Williams just has a long track record when he was with the Chargers. Like, to me, if you put him with all those guys, I'd feel really good about their offense. It just, 
it, for example, like Debo and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown last year, who I think we all think are going to be studs. It took them a little while. Like it's hard. (laughs) That's just, they're going to be asking all these guys to produce because they're going to need them. And and at the end of the day, like you can only throw so many quick slants to and and outs to Hunter Renfro. Like his, his numbers are going to be pretty right. He's not going to have seven catch for 180. Like his numbers are, he's an eight for 88, right? It's just the slot guy. When you're Jarvis Landry, when you're Edelman, even when you're a baller and Hunter Renfro, it's really good. But he he's limited on like the great part about a guy like Terrell Williams or Rugs in theory, right? Or they can have the five for one forty and two touchdowns, right? That's what outside explosive wide receivers do, and it just as we've seen, it's hard. It's why you become such a legend. Like the best case scenario is like Randy Moss rookie, but when you're just a rookie who starts having like hundred thirty yard games, you start putting those together, you become like wow. It just it's not normal for that to happen. And clearly the Raiders, I like all these guys' talent, but they're just they're depending on them, right? They don't there's no well, just let Henry and, and Edwards take their time. Like, no. Right. Like which I, you kind of sh- how many targets would you expect week one combined for those two guys? Like twelve, thirteen? Which wait, two guys or three guys? Yeah, I'm I'm just not bowing, just Edwards and Ruggs week one. Well, I mean, thirteen to fifteen touches. Like they'll attempt to get them the ball that much yeah. on end rounds and throw them the ball. I, I would think Bowden maybe gets a touch or two that way too, right? Yeah, but I mean, you can't like like you said, you like Renfro, but there's a reason you draft three wide receivers in your first four picks in the first three rounds, right? Which is he can't be your leading receiver, which is what he was last year. I mean, wide receiver Darren Waller led the team, right? Yeah, but. Who was their second leading receiver? So I guess Tyrell was second, and then Zay Jones. Like it was yeah, a bunch of have two tight ends and a bunch of running backs. They caught passes for them after that. So well, it's why they went all in. But I would imagine this offseason before he hurts his shoulder or labrum or whatever happened to place him on IR, and he he was hoping to play through it, and clearly putting him in IR just get to the point where you just have the surgery. Maybe you can come back by the end of the year. These the IR rules. Remember, it used to be one, and then with Corona, they I think they've added three. So you just never know. Last year, the Niners with uh, Quan Alexander, I think everyone thought when he tore his shoulder, he was out and shit, he came back. Yeah. So you just, in these times, you never, it, to me, it always makes sense. Just get the surgery, then the recovery. And I, I, I understand where guys get talked into it, but you always like, oh, he's never was the same. Just get the surgery and come back if you can make the season or next year. It sucks because I bet to him, everything I've read about, I always liked him when he was on the Chargers. It has to feel like I got all this money. I came here. I was going to be good. And then I keep last year wasn't his ankle. It was always hurting his foot and this or knee. And this year it's the shoulder. You just got to be like, am I fucking, am I snake bitten here? Because I, I now our team's good. I'm going to be, even if I'm not a true one, I'm going to get a lot of touches. I, I'm definitely the most experienced guy of the group. That's I, I feel bad for the guy. I, mean, I do it just too. Sucks. Uh, yeah, and and you knew he was just a small rookie. small school. Remember, he's like D two from Oregon. I mean, his story's incredible. If, you know, from a from a team perspective, he was just super reliable. Like you just knew if he was gonna if he was on the field, you knew what you were getting from him. And that's where I look at this team and go, does it dramatically change their ceiling? I don't know. That's I would say no. It does potentially change their floor, right? Like if Rugs is is can just be an impact player, and uh, one of those other two rookies, one of the two third round guys, can be impactful, be a reliable starter. Then they're in really good shape. They're not going to miss him in the end because if Waller's good and and 
Renfro just has a similar year and Jacobs is healthy. They run the ball. Like to me, their ceiling is not dramatically impacted by this, but I think their their floor is if those guys aren't ready to play. And I think before we place a bet on them early in the season, to me, they're a team. I still like them. I just want to see it for a couple weeks probably just because they do have a lot of new pieces that they're depending on, on defense and on offense. But clearly Gruden's going to want to be more explosive in the passing game, right? And that's why he drafted, I would say, one of the sneaky shockers of the night was when Henry Ruggs' name was read first, right? I think most people thought, my gut told me Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. So when they said Henry Ruggs, that was a pretty big... Not that he wasn't worthy of a top 15 pick, but I just think other people thought the other two guys were going to go before him, right? Yep. Now, he was the one guy when you watched Alabama at any moment could go like 90. I mean, I guess they all could, but he, he could get there the fastest. Well, that was the other thing. is like with Williams healthy, five, four or five catches and one big play from Henry Ruggs, like you go, all right, that's we're off to a start now. Right, exactly. You try to get. I'd say say historically, to be a good offense, you need some veteran pieces in the wide receiver room. And I'd say starting with Williams and Renfro, and then adding those guys—that's a pretty good start. Like Renfro proved he can be a slot receiver. Deep room. Yeah, and it's the uh, to me the ceiling of it is like God. If Rugs and and Edwards one of those two hits, like this could be a good fucking unit. Yeah. And now it's like, well, just. A lot of pressure on these rookies. There is. All right, Middlecoff, let's tell the people about DraftKings. Promo code HAM. That's where you sign up. You put in HAM. Then you get in our league, the Haberman and Middlecoff League. You get in our game for the PGA's FedEx Cup Championship. It's probably not even a PGA event. It's actually a PGA Tour event. It's super confusing. Golf makes sure you can never figure out what's actually happening. But we make it easy. You play with us, and you have a shot to win money. Well, when we talked on Sunday afternoon, the BMW championship was not over. And since then, it was one of, honestly, Guy, I think that might be one of the most dramatic finishes we've ever seen. Now, granted, we've seen Tiger hit you know, hit the putt on 18 at Torrey Pines to force 18 holes. Like There have been bigger tournaments to end on, like walk-off putts. But when you factored in the number one and two player in the world, John Rahm shoots, what, 65 or 60? Was a 66 on Sunday. Dustin The putt was, was 66 a, feet. I remember that. The, Dustin has this fucking dramatic lead at like early on in the tournament. Then he comes back to earth, and then he hits this insane putt to send it to extra holes. I, it doesn't get any better. To lead in to this tour championship, which, you know, Tiger's not around, Spieth and Ricky. There are some random names in this group. Like putting together my lineup, I'm like, you know, it's not just... From Dustin to Tiger, and, and with Ricky How about in the Dustin middle, being fifteen thousand dollars in the game, by the way. But he, you do get a ten-shot lead, so that factors in. You right. obviously one thing anyone knows that, and we've had a lot of people that hit us up all the time. That like, thanks for getting this going. Oh, I wasn't even that into golf. This is fucking I've badass. Several DMs like that. You do get so many, you know, the ten and twenty point and thirty points for first, second, and third place. So if you are getting a lead, you know, I I, I do understand why he's more money. I do think there are a couple wild cards in this tournament, though, guy. Like, how could DeChambeau go from being so good, and then it, the PGA Championship wasn't that long ago when he was pretty good. I mean, he was in the mix to win the tournament. He's had an atrocious couple weeks. Oh, you're talking to somebody who's picked them back-to-back weeks. 
But I but I'm just I'm not gonna get rid of him. And and the other thing in this tournament, as we learned in the BMW, both me and you had Tony Finau. When you give the most talented guy, and I think Tony Finau, I get he doesn't win tournaments, but would you agree no one disputes like his just raw ability? Mm-hmm. Like he is he might not be Rom or Dustin Johnson, but he ain't that fucking far away. That he just on Sunday of the BMW, boom, shot sixty five out of nowhere and all of a sudden he's under par. And that's the thing with these guys. When in a no cut event, it's like I, I do like now you'd say anyone in the top thirty, but still like there there is something to be said about a guy like Tony Finau, like a guy like Bryson DeChambeau, that just on any given day, on any given day could just boom he shoots sixty three. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that's in, in this you can rack up a lot of points with birdies. Right. You know, I took Gary Woodland last week. He just didn't have any birdies. <laughs> he didn't do anything. That's the one thing. That's why I always like Kisner. Kisner doesn't even need to win these tournaments. Kisner birdies a lot of holes because he's a great putter. And I think this week, guy, Kisner's like $6,800. Now, now a huge part of it is because he's, you know, in the 20s. So he's, you know, 10 shots behind Dustin Johnson. But that doesn't change once you start playing and racking up birdies. You don't get the extra points for not being in first or second, but you can still rack up a lot of points and you're not going to go away. I, you do get I'm the fa- points for being in first or second at the end of the tournament, though. And as the week goes on, like you start the week, Dustin Johnson has 30 points because he's in first place, right? Yeah, I, I think because a lot of people have asked me about it for specifically as you pick the, the, the DraftKings rules for this one, um, I do think, I think it's a little different. Uh, all golfers will be assigned an initial starting position based on the standing. The starting position will be incorporated in the fantasy points awarded for finishing position only. Yeah, so he doesn't get points for bir- 10 birdies, but he does get 30 points for when being the day in first starts. place. Right. So as long if you have DJ and you spend $15,000, you do just get that 30 bump. And as we've right. seen, and I, trust me, guy, I've been in the lead on Friday and Saturday. A huge, when you have a guy in first and second place, you're getting an extra 50 points. So it, it does factor in. So if you take Rom or Justin, you're getting extra points for having those guys on your team before the tournament even starts. Right. And, and more than likely, if they just play solid, they're going to be in the lead and probably near the lead at least the first couple days, right? I, I think the other, yeah. And I think what you'll see, those two guys, what makes them unique, and obviously when you get to this point, they both played so well last week. Dustin's played really well now two weeks in a row. John's already won. I think if you're Dustin or Rom, don't you come out and think, I can just put my I can put my foot down on this thing by Saturday. The other reason to really like Dustin, not to talk does D, about does the DJ, does DJ think like that, but or he's like, I'm just going to play. Well, yeah. So here's the thing with DJ, right? Is like I do think it's pretty weird to sleep on a lead for a week. DJ, if you had to bet on anybody who would be unaffected by it, it's probably him. He's sleeping on a lead. Basically, this is like every every day since Sunday has been Sunday for him. He did he did just win a tournament. You know, twelve days ago by eleven shots, to demolish the field like he was <laughs> Phil Mickelson on the Champions Tour, and, and the guys in second and third place were like Daniel Berger, Scotty Scheffler. Like it wasn't just Haberman and Middlecoff behind him, right? I mean, it was no. a really good player. He kicked the shit out of everybody. Yep. And then was and then looked like he didn't have it at the beginning of last week's tournament, and then was fine because it was a really hard. To, to me, what what the end of that thing felt like to me was an NBA game. Where somebody hits a big shot and then somebody else comes back and hits an even bigger shot, gut punch, which doesn't happen that much in golf. No, which I think when these when these courses get a little more difficult, and, and you called again, Tiger Woods' uh, first win in a long time at the Tour Championship in 2018. You know this course. I don't know this course that well. Like it's pretty hard, right? 
when it's on, on certain days when the wind's blowing. Yeah, because they, the par three is going to be really long. One of the famous par is it three sixteen is that par three. Yep. So, so it's just it's not an easy tournament. That doesn't it is hole it is eighteen that par five. Eight, but eight holes a birdieable hole because you can catch the fairway, roll it down there. You can hit the green in two. On eighteen, yeah, yeah. But, but you are going. Gr- there is you are going over water, and the sand. There's sand everywhere. The green's pretty small on eighteen. But it's been a scoring hole it, since they flipped it. Eighteen used to be nine, which is that, when, which is when, another par three that's had multiple hole in ones on it. When you were on the ground, Tiger won the Tour Championship, but the rules were different. Justin Rose won the ten million dollars. Won right, the FedEx Cup. Yeah, Tiger. Won so the tour. now to win the FedEx Cup, you have to win this tournament. Right. Uh, to get the fifty million dollars, you got to finish. What's the first, other thing? Which, said, it's fifteen now. It used to be ten. It's a lot of cash, guy. Second place is five. Third place is four. We, I mean, to me, I, I, last I place do think is what four hundred thousand. I think it's three ninety. I do think the last going into Monday for all the guys that let's say I'd imagine there'll be a handful of guys within a couple shots. These guys are already rich, and most of these guys playing in it are some of the richest guys. There's a huge difference as a human, and five million dollars for me, you, anyone watching is incredible. But for five and fifteen. Like I, we could get some incredible that that's a ten million dollar swing, guy. Like think about in the NFL or baseball, the difference between a five million dollar player and a fifteen million dollar player. There's a big fucking gap. That's I, I we might get some crazy just kind of insane aggressiveness that we might not normally see just because you're like, well, I finished six, I still get two million, but that the chance to get fifteen, I'm not playing conservative on this, right? That's I'm going for the victory. Right. This, this could be some serious fireworks. Yeah, it could be. I mean, just keep in mind though what what has won this course traditionally has been last four years or seven so. eight under. No, like twelve or thirteen. Rory won it last year at thirteen. Um, uh, I don't who. Uh, well, obviously like Tiger. 11? The year before that, Shoffley won it at twelve under. The year before that, Rory won it at twelve under. So there are a okay, lot of guys so in this field that have played this course. I say a lot of guys. Really? There's only 30 guys. And then play this course well. And then there's like, I think almost a third of the field. Let me count. Uh, Champ, Griffin, Hatton, Hovland, Hughes, Morikawa, Munoz, Neiman, Schefter have not I've never been in it. played the course before. So what did I just list? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. So I'll tell you one guy that I'm just, I'm pretty interested on in. I don't know if I can build him in my lineup. I don't think he's going to win or anything, but just could rack you up a lot. Scotty Scheffler can just get on heaters, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, he just shot 60? He did that the other day at the on Sunday. All of a sudden it was like, uh, Scotty Scheffler is five under through 11 holes. He he shot 59 on the day that you know Dustin shot 60, remember? Yeah. And Dustin was 11 under. You just That guy, he looks like he's 50. He's 24. He's got a little belly. He, to me, he's like the golf version of Roethlisberger, but he can go low. His like footwork isn't perfect. I was like, oh, if he just could tighten up his footwork, he'd be great. I was like, wow. Yeah, I, I to me, I just he's like I enjoy. Scottie I call Schaefer. him right-handed Bubba. That's what he reminds me of. Is Bubba Watson yeah. right-handed? And right he now, reminds better. me of Roethlisberger. Scruffy. I like it. Little belly, huge. Loves kind of taking the chances. Like loves hitting. Yeah. Just doing weird shit. Slams a sixer after his fifty-nine. Uh, by Eats the way, dogs. Dra- dra- <laughs> DraftKings, the one-day leader in uh, fantasy, center of the action. Eight million bucks up, up for grabs across all the contests, plus a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit when you use the code HAM at sign up. 
Um, DraftKings, do you know how much money? This is like the tour championship. Since 2012, they've paid out a billion dollars to winners. I've been a winner. You've been a winner. Congrats to our last winners. Our last DK game came down to a half point for the championship last week. So this week's going to be... I can, I've not participated in a tour championship DraftKings before when there's only 30 golfers, but it's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, um, next week, I don't know, the Safeway Open, I don't know if you know it's still happening in Napa. It, yeah. We'll, we'll just, it'll probably just be football, so we're two weeks away. Once this ends, we just got to wait till the U.S. You're Open. You're asking me if it's happening? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think so. Okay. But, you know, but I, I don't know. It's, it's, gonna, it's not going to have much juice. Because no, I, <laughs> I would think a lot of guys take it off, right? I would imagine every good player takes it uh, off, except might. Phil. <laughs> Phil might yeah, win we, it. We, might, might be a hiatus till uh, till the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, and just go big. Our U.S. or our Week One NFL basically just turns into the PGA Championship. Exactly. Go big or go home. Get oh, tell people. Make sure you're friending us on the DraftKings game or adding us to the get get yourself in the league. That's what I'm trying to say. Get in the league. Because how many guys we got in the league right now? Uh, it's like four. I think the invites go out to over 400 people right now. So that's grown in the last, I would say, month and a half. We probably started, we were sending out like 50 invites. So the league's so grown a lot. week one of the NFL and the U.S. Open back-to-back weeks could be massive. I think we got to go 200-person game next week for football, right? I think that's a no Which is the max. And do you go, and I think we got to go a 200-person game for the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Yeah. Which is, what would you say, two weeks away? Yes, the week after week one of the NFL. So it's three weeks from this week. (laughs) Get my juices flowing. So one thing we're always trying to figure out is uh, how much does Kyle Shanahan like Jimmy Garoppolo? Every little little nugget, everything he says is like a reevaluation. And uh, Grant Cohen wrote about this. We've watched the Kyle Shanahan press conference on YouTube. And um, we watched what he said. Now, he was asked about Jimmy based on something Robert Solid said the day before that Jimmy seemed like he was um, reading things quicker, understanding everything a little faster, right? That's the I think basic more, more decisive was the word More decisive. Kyle said this, the more you're in a system, the more you go against the same defense over and over, the more it becomes second nature. So you expect that from Jimmy. You expect that from him. You expect that from a lot of guys who are going through camp and going against the same players and coverages for a couple years here. I think the whole team's pretty sharp going against one another. We've had enough of that. We're ready for that to end. So the quicker you can go against some other people, we'll see how that's panned out. I thought Jimmy's played very well. I thought he also had some better looks, which helps, uh, makes it less hard on him. Grant pointed out that uh, of the five touchdowns Jimmy threw in a red zone period Sunday, four of them were against the second string defense. So that's what Kyle was referring to in terms of seeing better looks, which is a coach's way of saying, all me. How about those play calls, though? <laughs> Man, everyone's like, yeah, he's a great play yeah, call. That's right. I, I, had t- I had two takeaways when he said it. My first original one is I think he's hesitant, and I think all good coaches do this. Like Mahomes proved to Andy immediately Right, MVP, he could handle it. They were just they were completely confident on like if they sang his praises, it didn't impact him. And I'm not saying that it does for most quarterbacks. I think most quarterbacks are pretty high level guy, but you're still human. And I wonder if there's an element of like I'm not promoting like this guy knows he's our starting quarterback. We already pay him. Like I don't need to tell him every day how good he he's comes from Belichick. But I'm going to make it really hard on him. And just like that's the way I'm going to, like a little almost Parcellsian. Uh, now, I, Parcells, did like Parcells love Phil Sims? I would say no. I mean, part of that is 
you're not completely in love with the player. I think he likes Jimmy, and I think he knows he can win with Jimmy. But I think it's pretty clear the more you watch him that I don't think he thinks he's fucking Joe Montana reinvented. Like, it's it's pretty clear. Now, I also think there's an element of, of is he lying? <laughs> right? You know, part of it is we're going up against these guys every day. He's been in the system now for four years. For example, the... I think one of the questions, right, was, you know, we probably make too big a deal of this. Last year was the five picks in a game. This year was five straight touchdowns. And he's like, at the end of the day, and I've always believed this, having been to a ton of these practices and when I worked in the league, was your players, it's just like anything. Like you and I have been doing shows together for a long time. We got a pretty good idea of everything that's going on. When someone else is going to talk, what your thoughts are on this, putting a show together. But if we just like, if you just threw us on, you know, Fox TV tomorrow, it'd be a little uncomfortable, right? Or just a different platform that we weren't used to. It takes some getting used to. In football, as a player, you get used to your opponent. And the opponent you see the most is the guy you see in practice. So if you're Richard Sherman, you get used to Debo. If you're Trent Williams, you get used to Nick Bosa. And Jimmy Garoppolo, you get used to, I don't know, Robert Sala's defense. It's hard to be surprised. And yeah, there's a huge element of you face other teams, even in preseason games, you just look across, you're like, I don't know who that guy is, <laughs> right? right? And it just, it's it's the unique part of football that in basketball, we know exactly, right? Like these game sevens are going on, the game two, like who's going to shoot the ball for the Celtics? I don't know, Jason Tatum or Kemba Walker? Who's getting the most of the looks for the Lakers? Like you know what they're going to do. In football, even, even like week one with Brady, it's like, who's he going to throw to? I, I don't know. If you told me Mike Evans had 20 targets, Sounds crazy, but it's not inconceivable. If you told me Gronk had seven, like, but you could tell me he had zero. Like, I, you just don't know because in football, you, you, there's so much, and vice versa. Like, are they going to blitz? Are they not going to blitz? Are they going to do a different kind of? Are they going to disguise something? And I think Kyle probably goes. I I still have a lot to learn from Jimmy. We haven't been together that long. Like, does he know that on game day? Yeah, do, I mean, part of that answer is. Uh, yeah, I like him, but I'm not going to lie about I'm not going to say that because he had five touchdowns in the red zone on Sunday, all of a sudden he's reached some new level uh, of of uh, of his performance. Yeah, Drew, yeah, he reminded me of Kyle. Not, like, you know, he reminded me of Drew Brees right there. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. One thing Kyle is not is Harbaugh, right? Harbaugh would tell any of Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, any of Jim Harbaugh's guys or his favorite guys. I think I think John has some elements of that, too. John's a lot of coaches, supportive. and there's something to it. But maybe we should just go, okay, maybe Jimmy's – now, Kyle didn't structure Jimmy's contract, but maybe – and, and I well, think Kyle gives us evidence, right? Like we the end of the first half of the Super Bowl. I supported the way Kyle played it. I understood why he played it that way. Part of that is a reflection maybe of what he thinks of Jimmy. He likes Jimmy, but his quarterback has zero guaranteed salary in 2021 right now, John. That's his quarterback. So well, – you know when he talks about offensive players, but specifically his quarterback, who he reminds me of? Defensive coaches. Like, you, if you just threw on a Mike Zimmer or a Vic Fangio press conference over this training camp, do you think, besides, like, Vaughn Miller, do you think Vic Fangio is like, Drew Locke, you know, he's he's got, he's got a little Peyton Manning feel to him, or, you know, Jerry Judy. It's like, oh, I see. Marvin Harrison 2.0. You know, no fucking chance. That is a great point, because you know what? You know how he talks about defensive coaches? The way defensive coaches talk about their best offensive player. Like, you know what it is? Here's what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It is, I cannot control what that guy does. 
I need that guy. Defensive coaches, believe they, in can't do, they can't scheme up anything for offense. So yeah. when we watched, I tweeted because I said, is there anybody Kyle loves more than Fred Warner? And a bunch of people replied like, well, he did say that he would wear Jimmy Ward's jersey on the sideline if he could. So maybe he loves Jimmy. But watch what he said about he, I mean, he lights up about Fred Warner. Because part of it, you're watching the Kyle talk about Jimmy. You're like, well, maybe he's not complimenting anybody. And then Fred Warner comes up. And he's just, you'd think Fred Warner was, honestly, I watched that clip and thought, is Fred Warner about to become like a top three NFL linebacker? Is that what Kyle thinks of him? Because that's what it feels like, right? Yeah. Like, does Kyle think Fred Warner's just an all pro? That's what it feels like Kyle thinks. That in two well, in years, fairness, like Fred like, Warner, Fred Warner's got a chance to become no, one. No, you're right. He's, he's like, already really good. He's not like some under the radar guy. But that's, but he, but, but he didn't hesitate to go. You know, he proves every year. He's everything we want. Like he did not do the same thing of like Jimmy's working hard. He didn't mention any of that. He's, he's like, well, you know, everybody's uh, developing. <laughs> he didn't say that. About, like if the same answer had been given for Fred Warner, it'd be like, yeah, well, you know, Fred, everyone's getting good looks. Robert's doing a good job of getting everybody in the right position. But I even think the good looks of like, I bet he looks at it like not even the play call that. Trent Taylor knows exactly where the little area is going to be in the zone, right? We, we go up against this defense all the time. You know, Dwelly knows exactly where to cheat it on this. And that's where, you know, on, on a normal week, you remember the thing that went viral last year with Kyle on, I don't think it was the playoff game, right? It was the first game against the Packers where he goes to the referee and he goes, you watch this, they're going to hold Kittle, he's going to yeah. break it out. And then it happened. Yeah. So I told you. There's an element on games like I can control a lot, but there's still a lot of unknown in games. I think Kyle goes in practice like these guys that have been on these teams several years, we don't have any coaching turnover. We're running the same scheme on the other side. They know and the the player turnover isn't really there. So you you see the same guys. That's where I think like I – you're right. I I think he goes reverse psychology where he truly likes those guys. And I I give Kyle a lot of credit. He does – care a lot about defensive players he, he really does and that's I think sometimes on offense y- you don't yeah no <laughs> like, defensive players I think for like a long more. period of time people think Gruden didn't give a shit I think sometimes Sean Payton went through that stretch like he doesn't even care when I was around Andy Reid his favorite players were like Brian Dawkins Trent Cole and now it's like he doesn't he, when he talks about Patrick Mahomes he always brings up the honey badger like there are leaders I know I know what Mike Leach's defensive players think well yeah but I but I don't think I think Lincoln Riley made an extra effort to really kind of like they they, they put a lot of thought. Well, Who'd he hire? I, yeah, Mike Leach's old from Ohio State from Mike Leach's guy. Yeah. I, I think Kyle puts a lot of cognitive thought in like I needed. That's a good point. I didn't think about I mean, it like that, but I, but I also think it does reflect if Drew Brees is on his team. I don't think he'd talk like that, right? Right. I, you know. Yeah. Exactly. I think there are times he likes he, him as much as contract is what you told me earlier, and that might be right. Yeah, and it doesn't mean he doesn't think he can be better. It doesn't mean it. We've talked about this a million times. We like we are Jimmy Garoppolo believers, but we also think there's stuff to be proven, and it's hard to put that in a sentence, especially if you're the coach. There's no reason for him to say, "Well, Jimmy's still got a lot to prove to me." There's no that doesn't benefit you to say that. I mean, Kyle's not well, talking it, about it, it, who's going to wear. Isn't the green it dot. also easy to be like? Because I think most people would be like, but "Listen." We saw the first couple of years when you didn't have a quarterback. You got it pretty good now. Why are you overthinking it? And Kyle would go, yeah, but I'm a six. I'm on another six year contract. I make ten million dollars a year. Ask anyone in the league or a fan of the league. Most of them are going to call me a top two or three, not just potentially coach, but definitely a play caller. I got pretty big confidence that 
if this fucking thing doesn't work, I can find another one. What what does every coach say when someone's like, uh, you know, one thing uh, is uh, one thing we're watching their practice is is there a big competition at left tackle? What does every coach say? No. Well, I don't mean the Niners specifically. I just mean uh, position X. There's a, is there a competition at running back? They say there's every every oh, it's competition. Yeah, yeah, every position is a competition, right? But no one actually, for the most part, when it comes to quarterbacks, you don't really act that way. Maybe that's Kyle's attitude. And I think the reality Kyle is like, like the, you know, if CJ's better, CJ's better. But I think if like even when they say that, for example, that if you went to a high level college team or a pro team, it's not even true. <laughs> like probably seven of eleven starters are solidified. But I think there's an element of like, because Jimmy is solidified, right? That's what is unique. There, he is the starting quarterback, and there's no question about it. But in the coach's mind, he's not. Is he your franchise quarterback? And I, his contract would tell you Kyle's got options every year, so we can think what we want. I'm a Jimmy guy, but clearly his coach is not just. You watch Sean Payton talk about, and Drew Brees is a bad example, but. You know, Tom Coughlin forever with Eli. There was a level at that quarterback position with offensive and Tom. It's a pretty unique dynamic, though, right? Because you've got a he is your franchise quarterback, but it's it's just there's not a lot of da- you're a Super Bowl contender, but he's not under contract. I mean, he is under contract. Wouldn't you say no Gruden gives money. Carr a lot more praise than Jim than Kyle gives Jimmy? Fake or not, I mean, I he says it. It's, yeah, it's a good maybe. But that just might now, be grant, more his now. Granted, I, I'm I've always been a believer, though, and I still am to this day. Not just in sports, but in any walk of life. Like I, I don't judge people necessarily, even coaches on their words. I judge them by their actions. They did. I mean, they could have gotten Tom Brady this offseason, and they just kept Jimmy. Yeah, but that's where this. That's what Kyle would say. It's like, hey guys, this is nuance. Like I'm not trying to get rid of Jimmy, but don't yeah. don't ask me if after six practices against the defense he's seen his old he's become a red zone savant yeah (laughs) again no we're gonna have i got some questions you gotta we gotta take a step here we gotta get better i got eight receivers on ir or something so i'm gonna need him to make a bunch of plays yeah especially early yeah kittle's still getting maintenance days here's the other thing let's just make sure because the other thing he said was trent williams just a vet day off monday no biggie Tuesday was a day off. So let's just make sure, John, that Wednesday Trent Williams is out there, okay? I'll keep an eye on keep it. Keep an eye on it. All right, Middlecoff, how about this? As of uh, the recording of this podcast, I have not seen – have you seen the guaranteed money on Joe Mixon's extension? I saw $48 million. Is that the number That's you saw? the fully guaranteed or just the total? That was just the to- – that yeah. was the you know the initial agent throw it out right. there. Right. Yeah. So I got – who knows? Yeah. I mean, That's what I saw. I, I guess – I guess – over 20, but I I would guess lower than like 35, you know? It's good for a running back. You got good player, got paid. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it got me thinking because it's a couple days after Leonard Fournette gets the Jags, who stink, get rid of Leonard Fournette from just waved him, right? See you later. Uh, these guys were in the same in the same draft. Fournette went fourth overall and uh Joe Mixon went 48th overall. Now, Joe I, Joe also had a video of him punching a woman in a restaurant and the broke her jaw, right? That was part of the dynamic there. If it wasn't for that... But you you remember it was when... It was before he like he hadn't become a star at Oklahoma. I think he had just got there his freshman year, did it, got suspended. Yeah, it wasn't then he had a new. Then he had a career, and it was just something that kind of... 
as it should, was just always something that followed them. And when he got drafted, everyone at Oklahoma was saying, "We, lo- you and I have a friend that works there that's part of recruiting him. That His daughter used to be around. They loved this guy. He had a terrible moment, but it was a visual and an optic that greatly impacted his draft position. Because I think, remember at the time, it was like he's a first-round player. He was ended up being the third running back. Of course, Fournette was one. And Christian was two. So you do think he would have been a first rounder if it wasn't for that? Uh yeah. <laughs> I, I I think he was a pretty special player. Sorry, he was the fourth running back. Dalvin Cook went forty one. So you think he would have gone ahead of Dalvin, right? Well, Dalvin had a lot of questions like Fumble. people thought he wasn't as fat. Now Dalvin fumbler, answered right? them all. Wasn't that one of the questions? Who'd you, who'd you say was the third? Oh, uh Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Fournette. So McCaffrey. it went a stretch where Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. That's a pretty good little three running back stretch after Leonard Fournette. Huh? Yeah, and Joe Mixon. It's really good. Let's see who went, who, where the next running back was. Uh, Kareem Hunt. God. Who's the next running back? Deontay Freeman, Foreman. I mean, not bad. Who's the next running back? Let's see, maybe just. But uh, James Conner. I mean, holy smokes. Literally every back after Leonard Fournette was better than Leonard Fournette. How about Samaji Pirine? Uh, well, he was Joe's teammate. I think he's he not great. I mean, he's just a big. Tariq Cohen. Still better than Leonard. Yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty good draft class. Now, uh, that's where the luck runs out, Wayne. Wayne I, I think it's clear but- Joe Mixon fell. 20 plus spots based on the video alone. Like it had a it had a gigantic impact. And it was remember when he got picked it was like oh the Bengals were the team that pulled the trigger because they care less about that stuff. Not that I think at this point in time every team cares about domestic violence pretty equally. I, I think it's kind of a straw man on social media teams. Teams get it, it and care. I think it was more just It was more of a hot button issue in 2017, right? <laughs> Is it less hot button issue now? Well, I, I I just feel like the NFL. Maybe this is just my perception. You know, we were still only a few years removed from Ray Rice at that time, and it just felt like the NFL was just constant. It was constantly they're covering up concussions and and domestic abuse. Like, what, do you think Guy Guy Haberman at Oregon? You're, you're the people think you're the second best running back behind Etn coming into this year. Let's say non Corona. You play. You you have a great year. And you had the same in 2020. You had the same video from two years ago of you knocking out a woman. You don't think it's like a no, no. I, I, I think he would fall just as far. I'm just saying. I think treatment of women and covering up concussions was just part of like. I think the NFL's made a lot of efforts in both of those departments in terms of public relations and maybe actually making real progress. Right. I, I think that at that time, it was more a part of our daily NFL discussion were those stories. I'm not saying he wouldn't go 48 again. I'm just saying it, it felt like at that time that all there were, the NFL news cycle, I think, was a lot more negative than it is yeah, now. Pro, pro, they've addressed. I'm not saying they've solved, but those two things. But there were a couple years, right? Where it was like nonstop, we were talking about one of those two things. Well, because Ray Rice and Greg Hardy, remember? Yeah, they had some premium, prominent players that had major issues. Now, again, to be clear, I'm not saying Joe Mixon would go higher if I, that, I, gay, I, that guy I, I, came get, out I get your I angle. I get point. your angle. I get, now, I that said, he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's got, if you told, here's the other thing, John, let's say this. Let's say you told the teams drafting in 2017 that he would be. 
the guy that he is. And for the record, the guy that he is is one of three running backs to have back-to-back 1,100 rushing yard seasons. The other two are Chris Carson and Ezekiel Elliott. He's played in 44 games. He has scored 21 touchdowns in 44 games. This guy's almost a touchdown every other week. 17 rushing and then the rest receiving. He's almost a 1,000-yard receiver in his career. He'll get there this year. Um, If you had told teams that, in other words, guaranteed them they'd become who they thought he was going to be, where would he have gone? Yeah, I mean, I just... To me, the video would have impacted a lot of teams. I To me, it speaks more of – it makes it difficult with the character on these guys coming out. Like, pretty clear, guy, that it was just a, a one-off while being a, a terrible situation that I you I can't relate to in the sense of I can't even imagine doing that to somebody. Now, there, remember, part of it, she had called – at least there were reports she had called him the N-word. Mm-hmm. I'm not, that doesn't justify anything. He broke her jaw. You cannot do that. He admitted it. But it it did change his career. Like he did it up on the Bengals, right? I mean, he's Belichick called him the best running back in the league last year, which not necessarily true. But I do think well, Belichick views him as crazy? one of the elite players. Well, no, I mean McCaffrey's better. Well, yeah, I mean, but, but he's close. I mean, yeah, he's not like yeah, he's not like batshit crazy. He just might be a little hyperbole. Belichick was like, they think team. I only like the quick white guys. Let me throw him off the set. But remember, Be- the thing with Belichick. Remember they were playing the Dolphins who were like 0-9 at the time. He's like, they got a lot going for him. And it was like, he, he wasn't wrong. Like the yeah, I mean, <laughs> they beat him. Uh, yeah, I just, this is where you do, like, remember the Cardinals when they took the Honey Badger? You just, and, and he had had more situations where you do benefit when you get a guy, when you believe, hey, listen, I'm going to spot your scouts and the people at those programs that are telling you, we're not lying to you. This is a high character human. I, we believe in him. You should too. You know, if you can look past that, you will get yourself a high, obviously a good player. Because remember, one of the things with him was like, he's an all-around back. He can go inside, right. he can go outside because he can run and he can catch. But maybe I mean, Belichick's you, like, I'm t- maybe Belichick would be like, I think honestly, if he got as many fucking love and his team was a little better, maybe he'd get talked about like Christian McCaffrey. Do you think? All right, let's say he was pristine character. How would he have been if McCaffrey went eight? Would he have gone top fifteen? Uh, yeah, I think he goes in the first round. I mean, John Ross went nine, so it's a wash, I guess, if you're them. One of the things that that year, which has changed, like the 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 elephant in the room of the NFL negativity, he played in an offense that I think a lot of teams in the league would have put like a red check mark next to. Right, it's a little mm-hmm. spready. Now they would have been proven wrong, but I think that would have hurt his stock a little bit. Spread off, like the one thing McCaffrey had is like he played in pros. Even Leonard Fournette, like run downhill yeah. between the tackles. Yeah. There was something to be said about like you know he's he's playing in Lincoln's offense. It's wide open. A lot of now he was elite and Big Twelve. The defenses suck. Again, he's proven all this to be wrong. I would get if you said Middlecoff McCaffrey character. Where does he go? I'd say probably between like twenty and thirty five, and kind of in that range. I do wonder because even when McCaffrey like Leonard, that still kind of makes no sense. When McCaffrey went eight. I think most people thought McCaffrey was going to go like 13 to 15. Eight was pretty nuts. It's like, damn, he went top 10. It was, now, yeah. it was It was a genius pick. Because looking back, the Niners should have just taken McCaffrey at three, right? Can you imagine Christian McCaffrey with Kyle Wait, Shanahan? not Mahomes? You're saying oh, even yeah, in the they, world I mean, where if, they're not drafting a quarterback, they should have gone McCaffrey. Yes. yes, it would have been. Or Jamal Adams. But one but, of but part of that is like, it's 
Kyle's like, it's easy I, to do, do this. I need it's a easy back? to do this. It's I easy to do this game. I, I thought he was Julian Edelman. It turns out he's fucking Barry Sanders. <laughs> um, I I know you know he, people. He, he I, got yeah. Props to Ron Rivera, and that's like that was great pick. Bold pick. It was genius. I'm waiting on the. I don't know where. There's got to be some Leonard Fournette stories coming out. I I talked to somebody who knows their locker room well. Says the guy's a just. He his quote was there is zero chance you can win if Leonard Fournette's in your locker room. Now maybe that meant the Jags couldn't do it. You know, would you say that if he was on the Patriots? I don't know, but very bad reviews on Leonard Fournette. Like if he was a pristine character guy, he's not getting cut, right? If they just like no. the guy, Leonard Fournette. If they if he's just no, I mean, he's Thomas in the locker room. No, they gotta no pay chance. Him. No chance. So they must he's hate there. him. Guy, he had 1,100 yards and 76 catches last year. So it's not like, you know, he can run between – he can't – 76 catches. He was not that bad last year. Honestly, I watched him a couple games and was like, he actually looks pretty good. (laughs) You know, Remember he had that long run, I think, against the Broncos with like 98 yards? Sneaky, pretty damn good. He can play. He's not like a bust, like he's not an NFL running back. He got cut. I, I saw a headline today. The whole locker room hated him. It, it honestly sounds a little like Earl Thomas and the Ravens. Like Doug Marone just realized, I got to get this guy out of here. Which is, it's at least Earl, one thing Earl has is he's Earl Thomas and he plays like a, a he can cover. If you're Earl, if you're Leonard Fournette, and clearly the rumors are circulating that he's a bad human in the locker room, are we? Is he locked to get a job week one? I mean, he's a running back, so that hurts him, right? But to me, there are like the Chiefs, Seattle. They, they are. Seattle. They're they're king. Of course, he's a Seahawk. Well, they're, they, well, they're just Sorry. king of like. How did we forget that. Oh, listen, we, we don't judge you on past stuff, but we have a short leash here. We we do allow you to be your own person, you know. Yeah. To me, they got Pete Carroll, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, a guy like that, giving the guy a talk. You're on a short leash. We're not paying you much, but they are because this film is not. Me or you. Like, he is he, 1,100 yards, 76 catches. On the Jags, who sucked. C- pretty crazy career. Because remember he was... Remember what a big recruit he was? Yeah. Remember what it just said. Remember... Who was the other... Who was the guy him. Alabama had that was a man-child? Bo... Derrick uh, Henry. Think, no, no, think no, no. no. The other guy. Like. Bo, the freshman. Bo... Schembechler? Oh, Scarborough. Scarborough. Scarborough yeah. Or, yeah. But remember, there was like... Leonard Fournette and Derrick Henry. I would say they were kind of on the same path. Like, are these guys going to play in the NFL? One guy goes forward. The other guy goes in the second round. It took Derrick Henry a couple years, but guy he he carried his franchise to a, uh, to a championship game. He dominated the Ravens and the Patriots on the road. Like, that's... Derrick Henry's career ends tomorrow. Like, he had a pretty unreal little stretch of football there in the NFL. Yep. And remember, he kicked... There was a game Alabama played... LSU, both their junior years, or maybe it was Henry's junior year and Leonard's sophomore year. And remember, Leonard ran for like twenty yards, and Henry went for like two fifty. Yep. And you know, you know what Derrick Henry has going for him? People love him. High character, remember, good guy. Here's a, like he's the reason McCaffrey didn't win a Heisman because I think you can say like McCaffrey should have won a Heisman, and you're right. And then you go, uh, but shit, Derrick Henry year was incre- like because I think McCaffrey. Heisman, don't you think it's aged? Don't you think it's aged better with Henry becoming a star in the NFL? Like it was like okay, yeah. But I also just think as someone who thinks McCaffrey was a Heisman winner, you just go look on Derrick Henry's year and you go, uh, how? I mean, what? How am I supposed to argue with? There's two guys were worthy. One of them had to win it. Didn't he win the national championship? Uh, yeah, he must have. 
that year. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, actually, that year they probably lost to Sean Watson, but he definitely won one the year before. Was 2017, the January, when Deshaun's 17. draft class, he won the next year. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. So 16, they won the title. Yeah. But in those two years, didn't he rack up like 10,000 yards? Well, because he played 15 <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah. All right, Cough, we thought we'd go old school radio, like the original debate TV topic uh, kind of setup, which is two-minute drill, right? Very simple. I like it. Let's do it. Rapid fire, keep it moving, get our mind right, and give some takes. All right, two minutes of topic. We ask each other. Uh, I will start with you. Two minutes on the clock. Here we go. Game six of the Rockets-Thunder series was on Monday night. My timeline was filled with people making fun of the Rockets. With Harden and Westbrook together, they're an easy target. Is Russell Westbrook one of the richest people on earth? The most overpaid NBA player ever. I Googled it last night. After he had two turnovers and an air ball on a free throw jumper where he not only airballed it, he held his shot, guy. Like he thought it was going in. Uh, his latest contract was an extension, $233 million. Okay. And I think the key when we talk about Harden and Westbrook are not to talk about them as basketball players. You have to put the money involved. Because it's no longer, you know, this guy's making seven, eight million dollars a year. These guys make two hundred and thirty-three and James was two hundred and fifty million dollars combined. But James is a better player than Russell. I watched a little bit of the Corp. Alex Rodriguez, big cat. Yeah. They had Kevin Durant on. And Kevin Durant and A-Rod was like, what was the biggest reason you left? And he said, and this it seems like he recorded this like before Corona. The number one thing I wanted to get away from, I looked at my OKC roster and I thought we just had a bunch of athletes. I wanted to play with skill guys. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. Russell Westbrook, one of the greatest athletes, I think it's fair to say, in the history of professional sports. I'm talking Dion, Bo Jackson, just level, pure athlete. Not a very skilled basketball player guy. He can't shoot. He makes terrible decisions. $233 million for a guy now, there's a chance if they lose game seven, he's gone four straight years since Kevin left him. And now he's got Harden, he's had Westbrook, he's had Oladipo. He's gotten bounced in the first round, and they were they were going to win before he came back from injury. He's going to get bounced in the first round, guy, potentially four years in a row. Not a big James Harden guy. And I actually appreciate Russell's energy and effort and athleticism, but he's the most overpaid basketball player in the history of the league for anyone that's viewed as a good player. Because the money is so massive, right? Like, even if I wanted yes. to say, if we're just talking all athletes, I'd be like, well, what about Kirk Cousins? And you'd be like, well, he doesn't even, he's got a ton of money. He doesn't have Russell Westbrook money. Not even You got to factor in the cash. And I think when you factor in the results plus the cash, it's Russ. Okay. We'll see if we each get a turn to talk in this topic uh, or not, but here we go. <laughs> oh, I was just, I was just going to give you the, I, give you the floor and your topic. Gotcha. All right. That is, I just I, I just freelanced on that Have one. Have at it. Bill Belichick, I'm sure you saw it, went viral. I, I saw a while back he was going to be in a Subway commercial. The actual commercial made its way to the internet. And the, the commercial happened. Belichick acted. If you could get Belichick's next acting opportunity in a movie or a television show, what type of role would you like to see Belichick do? I would like to see him in a specific show, which I've watched during quarantine, and that is Succession. Here's why. Succession is dark, but it's also really funny. I think Bill nails that perfectly, like super dry, intimidating, kind of we Everyone in the show is a kind of weird. Everyone's really layered and deep and they're enigmas. And there's a lot of like snarky talk. Everybody's always scheming. Like 
brothers and sisters are getting stabbed in the back by their own dad, not literally, but figuratively. Family members are constantly scheming against family members. Just like Tom Brady walked around that building his whole career wondering, is this the day Bill cuts me? I mean, I just won another Super Bowl. I think I'm the greatest quarterback of all time. Belichick doesn't want me back. He's going to run me out of town for Jarrett Stidham or whoever, Cam Newton, as it turned out. So I think that'd be the perfect show for him. I think his acting style, which we saw in this Subway commercial, which is just kind of straightforward, understated, just play the guy that we all think he is. Would you have given him a bigger role in the Subway commercial? I would have, but I thought it... To give him a bigger role would almost be uh, like to finish food only be- not because you're hungry, just because you paid a lot for the meal. Like let's say you got a big steak. It's really good. It's delicious. It's the best steak you've ever had. But you, you finish it because you paid a lot of money for it, not because you're still hungry. I think him in that role where he kind of plays the understated guy is what's perfect. So to get yeah. more out of Bill good is point. almost greedy. So I want Bill in succession. I want him leading some sort of like uh, hostile takeover of a company, which actually they just had in the last season, I think, but no reason to not have it again. Give me Belichick, Succession, several episodes, stabbing people in the back. That's what I want. Love it. I'm, I'm in. All right. Uh, you're up next here. Two minutes on the clock. Oh, this is, this is perfect. So Alvin Kamara has uh, not been at practice for a couple of days. There's been some thought that, it was health-related. Then there were some reports that it was contract-related. Then Josina Anderson reports that the Saints would be open to trading him should the Saints trade Alvin Kamara. And is it Kamara or Kamara? I go Kamara, Kamara. I just go he's a badass. I mean, he's one of my favorite players in the league. I say this all the time. I'm anti-paying running backs, but I'm also pro-sweet players. Like, it's easy to go, I'm anti-paying running backs, and then I got Alvin, I got Zeke, or I got Christian McCaffrey on my team. I don't just go, yeah, I just uh, I'll find some dude late in the draft. Like that's easy to say. You know, Sean Payton. My guess, educated guess, is no hold in, no hold out. Show up to camp. We showed last. We'll take care of guys. We take care of players here. Alvin's like, cool. I've been kicking ass since I got here. Michael Thomas, me, Breeze, all these dudes just getting paid, living in the Big Easy, trying to win a Super Bowl. We're just fucking all in this together. And he keeps calling his agent. They're like, yeah, they're not really offering it. Yeah, it's not really what you thought. Yeah, it's not really going that well. And all of a sudden you realize full squad scrimmage tomorrow. I'm taking the handoff. And I look Cam Jordan and Davenport and all these dudes want to hit me. I'm like, screw this. You know, I'm out. And they're like, see ya. And they're like, where are you going? Are you home? You know, you just leave? I, I don't know what, I don't think this is an easy decision. I, I'm not, I would not trade him. I think it's easy to say, you just get another guy. And I think, Sean Payton, kind of like a Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid, they're going to think in the back of their head they can find that guy. But we we've seen it's tough. What about paying? Right? When, uh, that's where it becomes complicated. The last report I saw is they offered him like twelve million dollars a year and a lot of money, but he's adamant he wants Christian McCaffrey money. I don't think he's good as Chris McCaffrey. Chris McCaffrey's been healthier too. I would struggle to pay him Christian McCaffrey money. But now we're kind of picking: Are we going to argue over three or four million dollars? Uh, I would not pay him, at least right now, I, but I would demand him come back if I could, but he can't, so I don't know. It's a complicated situation. Sorry Ta- sorry, we gave your money to Taysom. It's not, yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not what he wants to hear. Right? No, not I at mean, all. I mean, like, God. But okay. trying to win a Super Bowl in Drew Brees last year, we think. Yeah, so I, I, you got to figure it out. You got to take care of the guy. Okay, guy. You had a take. And I agreed with the take. Our friend, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, 
best, I mean, now that Mayock's gone, he's the number one draft analyst by far in the country, the best going. He's a diehard Padre fan. And for the most part, the last several decades, they've sucked. Well, they've turned into Slam Diego, and they're one of the more fun teams in the league. Feels like, guy, they might like have a chance to win the World Series in this, in this shortened yeah. year. If they go on, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs without some disaster happening. If they go on to win the World Series or, hell, just make some noise in the playoffs, is your take about their uniforms being all-time ugly not going to age well? It's it's really bad timing by me. Like, them sucking. And it's weird because I enjoy them. I love their broadcast. So I've been watching since they got Don Arcillo. I've been watching the Padres for a couple years now because they have a fun broadcast. And I almost have to – I force myself to see the fun in it because, like, Slam Diego is an awesome nickname. Tatis is one of the best young players in the game. The fact that they got Clevenger instead of Lance Lynn I thought was a great move by them. People are talking about Lance Lynn like he's Bob Gibson, sub-2 ERA – the guy's had like eight starts, goes five and a third, is in his 30s, and people talk like he's the, the, the truth of the ace of the future. Clevenger might be. So I love everything they do. But, yeah, them winning does not help my take age because the more they win, the more people's minds get warped into just thinking that shit's cool, right? What's cool isn't always necessarily what you think is the best looking. I think their brown jerseys, not their home pinstripes, their brown jerseys and their road pinstripe jerseys are like uh, a house that's like super funky, created by some weird artist that is every room's a different color and they got paint on the walls that's like flowers in one room and whales in another room. And you go, this place is awesome. Like you go to a party there. This is so cool. Everybody comes to your town. They drive by that house. They want to look at it. But you don't want to walk into that house every day for the next 30 years. So I'm kind of trying to play the long game here on these brown uniforms. But right now, the wave is just not on my side. Here's where you are screwed. The color doesn't matter when your team's cool and you're good. Yeah. You know, I think the Browns uniform, the Browns uniforms are terrible. If they win 12 games and Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb are just the, are the number one offense in the league, you know who's going to be a badass squad that every kid's talking about and buying jerseys? jerseys. The Browns. Exactly. They'll all have the jersey. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I would imagine there are going to be a lot of kids whenever school uh, comes back into our life in the state of California, they're going to have some Tatis swag. Well, and right? one thing, because Daniel Jeremiah calls me like once a week now to be like, oh, did you see the highest sale in Jersey? Oh, <laughs> did you see this? Oh, did you see that? Um, they hit a lot of home runs, guys. One thing he said to me early on was, look, the point is not to have the best looking jersey. It's just to be different. You know, we want you to know that you're watching the Padres when you flip the channel on. And I'm like, okay, that's that's legit. I understand that. They're not dummies in the marketing department. They made it different. Fine. That's that's a legit take. Well, I, I, I got a thought on this really quick on the jerseys. Did you see the Utah Jazz the other night were wearing the, like, the thing that looks like a Mai Tai? It's like yeah. the orange jersey. I think the Chargers, the Jazz, and the Padres, like when I think, I think like baby blue, like the colors Tony Gwynn used to wear. And I think the Jazz, the Carl Malone, John Stockton jersey, like those, those are solid colors. Now I get you want to stand out, but just if you have solid colors, and then you, you know when the when the Chargers were really cool when they had the baby blue jerseys, they had LT, Phil so Rivers, they had, they, they, yeah, they yeah. just they were cool. I, I got everyone, like, the, I got everyone explaining to me like, well, it's because we're the Padres and that's a Friar and Friars wear brown. Like, yeah, no, people just think you're SoCal. Like, give me a SoCal vibe. Whatever, but though, people like forget it. that if you just. 
if they win two of the next three World Series, no one's going to be the hottest seller. I'll be. I, I might buy I'll one. I'll be buried. <laughs> yeah, just, just. I, might buy a, I might buy a brown pottery hat if they I'll win. I'll be one. buried in brown dirt. That's what'll happen. <laughs> yeah, they'll come after you guys. All right, this is one. We'll, we'll share this one. We'll put two minutes on the clock. Channing Fry did an interview. I think it was with Taylor Rooks, John, recently. Um, they were talking about the fact that George Hill was not out for the anthem the other day, and he said because he had to do some pregame business. And Channing Fry said, dudes take 20 minute dumps. We're seven feet tall. Quote, we take dinosaur dumps. That whole thing is the full quote. So I had not even thought about that before in my life. How big are the dumps of seven-footers? Now it's all I've been thinking about for the last seven hours. How big do you have to double flush, like, mid-push? Do you need a a stronger toilet, industrial size? Like, do you need something that they have? I don't know. I don't know. Is your water bill higher? I mean, I got to figure their butts are bigger. Maybe you just need a bigger toilet. I don't know, John. So... In the history of the NBA, who do you think takes the biggest dumps? Well, I know this. I, I round up to 5'10", and I'd say a couple times a week I take – something happens where you go, jeez Louise. I can't imagine being six – Carl Anthony Towns or Draymond Green or Klay Thompson. The, the mass, you can just fit more in your stomach. And clearly when you're that big, you're going to eat more calories than someone six feet tall. The guy that I first thought about, and I still do because we see him – is Shaquille O'Neal. Like, how many humans have taken, when his biggest dump, like, in his peak, when he eats a, multiple pizzas or some huge dinner, how is it possible for anyone to be able to take a bigger shit than Shaq? Yeah, I mean, Oliver Miller might have had a worse diet. Like, how bad, you know, but again, good or bad, it's still really good diets can, you know, you're a you vegetarian. Flush out faster. You, yeah, you got, who knows how much coffee you're drinking. Maybe that's a factor. Um yeah, I mean, I would Boban, imagine there are some. Bo, they, Boban's be, probably doing some work. Yeah, Boban's got to be doing work. Uh, Jokic, I mean, I would say, you know, Rudy Gobert's got a lot. He's skinny, but he's long. I, I like yeah. thinking of thicker guys, like, you know, like a David Robinson who would muscle mass, clearly eating a lot of calories. Like he, I would say, in his heyday, he had to put in some work. I mean, still, I mean, it's not like he's not still sh- not shitting. I mean. <laughs> Those guys, the centers, the Patrick Ewings, think of some of the, the Hakeems, like, the, the length, the size of their body, guy. But, but why do we, I think Sean Bradley was taking like, uh, you know, little puppy dumps. He's skinny. <laughs> <laughs> but he probably wasn't. Yeah, I mean, no. how much longer is a seven-footer's intestines, than, how, much, how, bigger, how much bigger is their stomach? You know, it's like your, your stomach is the size of your fist. Well, some of their fists are the size of freaking laptops. I shook Mean Joe Green's hand one time, oh. biggest hand I've still to my to this day I've ever shook. Yeah. Do you think a toilet game? I bet Mean Joe Green. I bet Mean Joe Green. Yeah, there's a chance the the Pittsburgh Steelers toilet in the '78 <laughs> when that thing when that guy turned the corner it was on. All right, let us know what you think about that. Weigh in on that subject. Uh, okay, John. Before we get out of here, we do we lo- we love to do restaurants. Tell us your your favorite restaurants that you're eating at. Places we got to check out. Um, did was this a group text or did somebody? I mean, we definitely get I IG DMs. I got to go find this last one I got about a restaurant. Oh, I got a couple actually. I got one. God damn it! I should have planned for this better. Where was this guy? Because I got one from somebody else in the Central Coast. They said, oh, if we're expanding it to the Central Coast. Yeah, I don't care. We don't care where you live. It doesn't have to be in the Bay Area. Right? Uh, no. 
I mean, we're just, it's California. It's a war on restaurants. We got, we got your back. So we got, uh, this is MP said, um, if we're opening up the Central Coast, High Street Deli is booming. Oh, I've gotten, I've gotten a million sandwiches from there in my heyday. Oh, is that Cal Poly area? It's San a, Luis a great, Obispo? yeah, great deli in San Luis. He said, Dell's Pizza Custom House. Could use a shout Never out. had that. Del, uh, the best sandwich place out here is High Street Deli, but then there's also Dell's Pizza. Where is this? Dell's Pizza. Pismo? Pismo Beach? Yeah. Pismo Beach. People, been there. People go to Pismo. Let me, let me yeah. check out Dell's here real quick. Mm-hmm. You think they'll name a pizzas after us? I don't know. Go see her. You get any, you get any pink onions later? You know what? So Saturday I was going to go. I was going to try their tri-tip sandwich, but they I don't think they're open for long. I looked and said that, that Matt doesn't open it up till 4. Matt, what's up, man? I, gotcha. I wanted to come for yeah, a it's, lunch. It's a weekend. You know, you got to give you got family time. Let me know. Gotta Matt, let me know when I, can, can I get some lunch. Can I get a... Matt's our guy, though. I don't, I don't know where I he finished. Hit, I, he almost I, won DraftKings the other day. I, I got to hit this up soon. We go from dumps to food. That's that's the topic yeah. tree here. Well, then back to then back to dumps. And then back to dumps. It's you know it's a cycle. It's a cycle. All right. Anything else on that note? Uh, that, that, that was a good talk. All right. Later. Fun pod. See you. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.